Amen. Yeah, we do, I do really hope this morning that this is a word for each one of us. A word for everyone, regardless of whether um, we think it's for us or whether we feel like we're good enough for it. I think this is a word, this is a word that has spoken to me as I've prepared it. This is a word that I think I'm excited about this morning. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm in faith that this word will build your faith. So let's see what the Holy Spirit does in us as we work through. So let's just remind ourselves what Hebrews 11 says about faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So far, we've looked at a number of heroes. We've looked at Abel, we've looked at Noah, we've looked at Rahab, Abraham, Jochebed, Moses' parents, and Moses himself, as well as um, Joshua's army. And in each case, we've seen how they have taken action in response to faith that they have had in the promises that God has given. And today we're looking at another hero. We're looking at Sarah. And we're going to see today that to be a hero of faith, to be recorded in Hebrews 11 as one of the great heroes of the faith, you don't actually need to get it right. In fact, you can make a complete mess of things and still make the cut, which is good. Because I think most of us would probably fall into the category of we make a mess of things more often than we get things right. So I'm really hoping that this morning this is an encouragement to, to all of us who think, ah, oh, done it again. Yeah? God can still use you. And I want this to be a real faith-building message for you, particularly if you feel like you've just blown it again. Okay? So this is where we're going today, and I hope it's going to be an encouragement. Um, because my throat's a little bit sore, I don't know if anyone mentioned it, I'm going to get you to read the verses as they come up on the screen, okay? So we're going to be in, and we're going to start with a, 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 the short verse in Hebrews 11, and then we're going to be in Genesis. And there's quite a lot of verses that I'm going to get you to read, so I'm going to need you to stay awake, if that's okay with you. So let's start with Hebrews 11, verse 11. And let's read it together. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. Just, just wait there a sec. What, what did that just say? She's past childbearing age, so she's too old. She's physically, biologically too old to have children. But by faith, she was able to have children. That's a bit strange. It's impossible. It's a miracle. And yet, it seems to be suggesting that our faith can cause miracles to happen. Well, if that's the case, what's impossible for you? What is it impossible for you to do? What have you given up on because you simply can't do it anymore or maybe you never could? Is it really the case that the impossible can become possible because of your faith? Well, I think that's what it is saying. 
So let's have a look at Sarah's story and find out. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. And I'm just going to pick out a few um, key verses from Genesis 12 right through to Genesis 21. Um, I think that's where we finish, or 22, 21, I think. Um, and we're just going to pull out some helpful, um, helpful learning from some of those passages, and hopefully it's going to be an encouragement. So let's start reading Genesis 12 and the first two chapters. And again, if you can just read with me, it saves my voice a bit. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. We've been talking about faith being a belief in the promise of God, so it's, uh, and, and that being followed by action based on those promises. So we need to start with the promise that's been given. If we're talking about faith, what is the faith being placed in? Well, we see in this first uh, first passage that there is a promise to Abraham. It's a promise that he will become a great nation. It's a promise that he will be blessed and he will be a blessing. And it's a promise that he will do all of this in a different country that's not currently his own. That seems to be what's being said. Promise to Abram. But let's take a closer look. It's not just a promise to Abram. It's a promise to Abram and his household. Just because Abram happened to be the one that received the promise personally doesn't mean he's the only one who it applies to. This is actually a promise for the household So what do we mean by a household? Because actually all of us, each one of you, is part of a household of some sort. Now it may be that you're a husband or a wife or a member of a family unit, which you might think of traditionally as a household. Maybe you're part of a small group or a group that's involved in a ministry that works in the church. You may be part of a local church family or you may be in a church that's part of a wider family of local churches, or maybe you're just a member of God's global, worldwide household of believers. You're a Christian. Either way, you're a member of a household. In which case, there are promises that are for you. Not just for the person that they were given to, but they are for you. Are you missing something? Are you missing promises that are for you? because you think they're for somebody else. I just want to challenge you with that thought right at the outset, because it's very, very easy for us to miss things because they're for somebody else. We've had some great prophetic words this morning given to individuals. That doesn't mean God isn't speaking to everybody else. And I really want to make that, make that point, and this is why I asked Steve to pray, because it's really important that none of us are discounted Let's read on in the story. So we've jumped now forward into Genesis 16. Um, And there's a couple of verses in here. Again, let's read together. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. 
Go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to what Sarai had said. Now we all just shake our head at Abraham because, you know. So, let's keep reading. Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. So Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram gave him the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So, what do we see going on here? Well, first of all, at this stage in the story, Sarah, who we're talking about, is known as Sarai. And I'm going to come on to why, why that name changed um, in a few verses. But we are talking about the same person. Um, what we do see here, though, is that she is married to Abram. So, therefore, we can deduce that he is part of a household. He is part of his household. And therefore, the promise to Abram was a promise to her. And as her actions prove, she believed that. So she knew that this was a promise to her. But, and this is where it becomes interesting, when she looked at herself and what she was capable of, she decided that she was going to discount herself from being part of that promise being fulfilled because she was too old. And she couldn't see how she could possibly have anything to do with a, a, um, a family being born to Abraham because she was too old, she wasn't capable, she wasn't up to it. So what did she do? She exercised faith in the only way that she could figure out by sacrificing her own status and her own position to enable Abraham to fulfill the promise. In other words, she gave her slave to Abraham Hagar, so that Hagar could fulfill the promise in her place. In her place. The promise was for her. And she gave it away. But she gave it away by faith, because she knew the promise was for her. It's a funny... When you start to think about it this way, there's a... One of the things that I struggled with when preparing or thinking about this in the first place was, what's the faith that Sarah actually applied? What, was she, what did she have faith in? She seemed to do nothing. And yet she's included in Hebrews 11. And I think this is the key. She didn't do nothing. She knew the promise was true and she did something about it. And everything seemed to go to plan. Abraham got Hagar pregnant and she had a son. So Sarai was justified in her decision. Or was she? When God makes a promise, God will fulfill the promise. So do we really believe that he has the power to do it, even if it seems impossible to us? Remember, faith is assurance about what we do not see. So let's not limit ourselves by what we can see. Sarai was sure that God would make Abraham a father of nations as he promised. She was confident in that, but she didn't believe God could use her. So she took matters into her own hands. When we are presented by a promise that we don't understand, it's very easy for us to do nothing or to wait for confirmation or to just assume it's going to happen to someone else. But Sarai got on and did something because she had faith. And she was commended for her faith in Hebrews 11. She wasn't commended for getting it right. 
She was commended for having faith and acting on it, even though she underestimated what God was capable of doing through her. So what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for confirmation of something, for clarity, for fiery letters in the sky? I remember a few years ago now, um, Nicola was in a bit of a crossroads around work. I think this is when we were in Dorchester, years ago. Um, she was having a bit of a crosswords about whether to give up her work or not give up her work, and she was praying, and she spoke with a friend of hers at a conference and said, I just need God to write fiery letters in the sky to tell me what to do about this job. And they were driving home down the M3, and they drove under a bridge on the motorway. There was a big sheet hung over the motorway bridge which said, quit your job. <laughs> so she turned to her friend Susie and said, what do you think that means? What are you waiting for? Don't discount yourself as Sarai discounted herself. Okay, the promise is for you and God is powerful enough to fulfill it. Let's read on in the story. So from Genesis um, 17. Oh, there we go. I didn't even do that slide. Um, let's jump on to 17. Again, let's all read together. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. That's an amazing extra confirmation, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, acting by faith means that we are no longer the master of our own choices, but we have put our trust in God's choices for us. And we have committed to putting our own desires and plans to one side so that God can have his way. But sometimes we need a reminder, just like this was a reminder for Abraham and Sarai. We need to be reminded of this because we can so easily slip into looking at ourselves, our own strength, our own ability, and what we can see and what we can understand and take our eyes off God. So what God does here is something quite radical. He gave Abraham and Sarai a new identity. He gave them an added R. So Hebrew names, as you may know, carry meanings. So every name you read in the Old Testament in the Bible means something. It's not like today, where the meanings are just an interesting sideshow. So my name, for example, my full name, but only my mother calls me this, is Christopher. Okay, Chris to you. Christopher to my mother. Now, the name Christopher means bearer of Christ, which is nice because I'm a Christian, so that's quite appropriate. But I know several Christophers for whom that name doesn't really stack up. So when we have a name in our society, it's just, if it means something, it's just a nice thing to, you know, we choose names for our children because it's got a nice meaning or it sounds nice, but when they grow up, it's just a name. It was different in 
the Old Testament times, when somebody had a name, it was an identity for them. And quite often it was a prophetic identity that they had as well. Abram and Sarai were no different. Their names mean, Abram means strong father, and Sarai means my princess. So that's what their names meant. They were identified, therefore, as the head of a household who brings strength and direction, and his princess who brought beauty and wisdom. That's who they were. That was their identity. That's how they would have been seen and perceived by other people. And it pointed towards the gifting and strength that each one of them had. So it was a good identity. They had a good identity. But God had a different identity for them. And this is often what calling is all about. His identity meant adding an extra R. Abram became Abraham. And Sarai became Sarah. Which means father and mother of a nation. The added R changed their identity from focusing on themselves, on their own capability and their own strength, and focusing on what God was going to do with them. That's what the added R does. It changes the focus from ourself to God. And it meant that they no longer needed to limit their faith by what they could see and understand about themselves. But they could remove the limits because God can do all things. That's what the added R does. It changes everything. And when we believe in Jesus and commit our lives to him, we also get an added R. We get a new identity in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. When we believe in Jesus, we get an added R. We no longer need to limit ourselves by who we once were before we believed in Jesus, our new identity is in Christ and that means nothing is impossible for us. The impossible becomes possible. That's what it means. And if you haven't yet chosen to become a follower of Jesus, here's some really good news. The promise is for you as well. You can choose today to believe in Jesus and get the added R for yourself. The old you will go and the new you with the added R will come and the impossible will become possible. It's an amazing truth. And that's what the whole of the Bible points to. So let's see how this added R changed Sarah's life. She's now Sarah, so we can call her Sarah. But also the life of God's people. Abram fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Now Sarah was listening and she laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? When God reminded Abraham and Sarah of the promise he had made to them, they both laughed as you probably would. They both still carried some doubt in their mind. They were still, they're still human after all. How is it possible? How can God do this miraculous thing? But instead of being 
um, waiting for further confirmation or flaming letters or someone to drape a sheet over a motorway bridge. Did they have motorway bridges in ancient? Uh, probably. I'm sure they did. But rather than waiting for, for any of that, they took action by faith. Instead of Sarah giving her slave to her husband so he could have a son, she gave herself to her husband and trusted God to do the impossible through her. Do you see the difference? So it's still applying faith. It's still saying, I believe in the promise, I believe it can happen. But now, now she's got the added R, now she's got the new identity. She knows that nothing is impossible for her. And so she's now prepared to say, I'm in. Use me. Do it through me. I don't understand how, but I'm in. That's what she chose to do. And what happened? The Lord was gracious to Sarah, and he did as he said. The Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? It's easy to laugh at a promise that appears to be impossible, but God has the last laugh. He enabled Sarah to bear Abraham a son by faith. That's what we're talking about. And in doing so, he fulfilled his promise to her that was given to Abraham, to Abraham. Do you remember we talked about the importance of names? When their son was born, he was given the name that God had told them to give him, Isaac. And that name means laughter. He wasn't only the fulfillment of the promise, the one through whom, um, who would become the father of Jacob, who would later become known as Israel, who was the father of the nation. But he was also the personification of what God had done. They had looked at the promise and laughed because they thought, well, this is going to be fun. And then God brought what he had promised. He had brought the unbelievable into reality. He had brought what was laughable and created a joyful celebration to all who witnessed it. It's amazing, isn't it? It really is amazing. Sarah, the old barren woman, had become the mother of God's nation. By faith. She had believed the promise. She did something about it by faith. And because God was in it, God was able to do the miraculous. So there's a few things in here that I just want us to, be, to not lose sight of. And there they are. Are there, and I want us to respond this morning to this, and I want all of us to have an opportunity to respond because it's for everybody. Are there promises that you are discounting yourself from because you think they're for somebody else or they can't possibly be for you? Because you are a part of a household of some sort. So are there promises for your household that are actually promises for you. 
I want you to respond. If that's you, I want you to respond by speaking out the promise that is to your household, however you define that, and ask God to make it real for you, to enable you to have faith to walk into that. Or when you look at yourself, do you, does what you see discount, are you, you know, are you discounting yourself from being part of God's plan? Because you can't see how God can possibly use you. Again, what I want you to do is identify what exactly it is that discounts you and ask God to do that through you. You're not able to, I don't know, let's go and speak to your friend because you're not very good with words. Well, ask God to give you the words to use. God will do amazing things through you if you allow him to do so. What about who you are? Have you got the added R? First thing you need is the right identity. You can try and do it in your own strength. But then what happens is that you, you, know, you give Hagar away and that's a whole other sermon which I'm sure one day it would be very interesting to go into. But you end up with Ishmael. You don't end up with Isaac. Who do you see yourself as? Is it the same person that God sees you as? In what way do you feel like you don't match up to what God is calling you to? Think of truth in scripture that talks about how God sees you. You're accepted, you're forgiven, you're a son, you're an heir, you're more than conquerors. Those promises are all for you. That is your identity in Christ. Not weak, slow of speech, someone that is a bit timid or nervous or you're too old or you're not very friendly or whatever. That's not how God sees you. Or have you maybe not even yet put your faith in Jesus and chosen to follow him? Remember I said, if that is you, this promise is for you as well. And I would love you to have the opportunity of receiving that promise of forgiveness and eternal life that is for you too. It's open for you today. If that's you, and what I've been saying, or the Holy Spirit speaking through what I've been saying, has made you want to follow Jesus today, then I'd love to pray with you. Well, it's very simple. All you need to do is thank God that he has promised that to you. Recognize that you've been living for yourself. Say sorry for that. Sorry that you've been living in your own strength, that you've been living without needing God. Ask him to come and live in your heart and give you a new identity. Ask him for the added R. That's all you need to do. And then go and speak to someone about it and start working through what that means to you going forward. And finally, is there anything that you think is just laughable? How is it possible that that can happen? I believe God's promise, but wow, that would be a fun journey to go on. God wants to remind you that it's up to him to fulfill the promise and that you can look forward to that celebration when it actually happens because you know it won't have been a lot to do with you. It will have been all about God. 
And I want us to respond this morning. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I want us to respond with a celebration. I want us to celebrate what God has done or what God is going to do. So just as the band come up, I just, I'd love us all to stand, if you're able to. And I'd just like to ask, ask you to respond. I'm going to suggest that for some of you, it's going to involve coming down to the front and asking for prayer. For others, it may be turning to um, a friend or a neighbor or a husband or wife that you're with and sharing with them what's on your heart. For others, it might be something more personal. But if you are discounting yourself from promises that are for you, for the household that you're part of, because you don't think you're good enough, please share that with somebody. Because God sees you as being different to that. Talk to somebody about it. Come and ask for prayer. If that's something you've been struggling with, please come and ask for prayer. If you don't feel like you've got the added R, I would love you to come forward to be prayed for. That you will see yourself as God sees you. And if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, then I'd love to pray with you this morning. And finally, and this is how we're going to respond in worship so all of us can respond this morning. There are some promises that God's going to have some fun implementing. When we think about our 2020 goals, I don't know how they're going to happen. Got no idea. It's, we laugh at it now. But God's going to have the last laugh. Are we, do we have faith? Are we going to start taking action and respond to that faith? Are we going to give ourselves and allow God to do things through us? If that's you... And I hope that's all of us. Let's respond, if nothing else, respond to that by worshipping the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. He is great. He can do amazing things. He can take a barren woman who's 90 odd years old and he can make her the mother of a nation. Because he can. Because he loved her. And he loves you. And he loves me. And he wants to do amazing things through us. Amen? Let's stand, let's worship. If you would like any, um, to pray for any of those, please come forward or pray among yourselves. We're going to finish the next five minutes or so just worshipping and celebrating the amazing God that we worship.